welcome and well done for getting through the weather and getting here. Let's pray to start, shall we? Father, we pray, speak to our hearts now. May your presence be here with us. To guide us, instruct us, and change us for your glory. Amen. Amen. Filling the temple, part three. We have a scripture to read this week, which is from Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35, and it says this. And the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. That's it for this week. And our key text, if you like, is in the last four words, the Lord is there. So just to remind us of where we've come from to get here, in our first message about filling the temple, we looked at the design for the temple and we saw that this new vision, this vision that Ezekiel had of a new temple, was bigger and better. It had more room for more people and more place for more priests and more ministry. And it had more grace for the people of God to be involved. Then in week two, we looked at the river that came from the temple. And we saw that Jerusalem was a city that had this one big disadvantage. It had no water supply in the city, which made it very vulnerable to the enemy. But in this new vision of a new temple, rising up inside the temple, like we were singing this morning, bursting forth, was this river of life that fed not just the temple, but the city, and not just the city, but the surrounding countryside, and flowed from there out into the land beyond. And so this week, we are looking at this phrase at the end of verse uh, 35, though, was it? Yes, 35 there of Ezekiel 48. The Lord is there. Or in Hebrew, Yehovah Shammah, or Jehovah Shammah, depending on how you like to pronounce your Hebrew or whether you have your teeth in in the morning. Now, how do you finish an amazing set of visions like this? How do you finish an amazing book like Ezekiel? 48 chapters long, incredible visions and encounters with God, culminating or climaxing in this incredible vision of the new temple and the priests and the division of the land and a new setup, a river of life, the whole thing new, bigger, better, more wonderful than before. How do you finish all of that? Well, you want to finish on the highest of highs. And right at the end of this uh, whole book, Ezekiel says, the Lord is there. That's going to be the name of this place. Jehovah Shammah. This is our future. This is where we're all headed. This is the goal. This is the direction. And this is the destination. Jehovah Shammah. And... Ezekiel says this name is going to be the name for the whole city, not just the temple. And if you'd have had time to read those chapters in Ezekiel, you would have seen that the, the holiness of God spreads beyond the temple, just like the river. It says the whole temple area, the mount, is going to be different. And actually, if you could look at a map, we don't have time today, the little bit area of the temple that was given over in the old days expands to be a great big strip of land right across the country from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan. This is bigger 
and better. This is more wonderful. The, the temple and the temple area and the city, it's all called the Lord is there. Now imagine that being your um, city name. Now, where are you from, Newcastle man? Where are you from? Sunderland. Where are you from? Annick, Hexham. Where are you from? I'm from the Lord is there. What kind of place is that? Actually, the Lord is there isn't a place name, it's a person's name. So imagine saying you were from David, or you were from John, or you were from Helena. It's like saying that. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Great Britain. Where are you from? I'm from Emmanuel. It's a very different kind of place name, isn't it? It's a person's name. And it's not just a person's name on a list. It's a person's name to you. Because the first bit of that name is I am. I am, the Lord is there. And if you want the full name, it's this. I am to you, the Lord is there. This name that God gives is for you. Now, you know people have names that are for everybody and names that are personal at home. I'm sure your parents had little pet names for each other. If they didn't, they must have been very serious. Perhaps they were. But maybe if you're at home, you've got names for each other, for your children or for your brothers or sisters or husband and wife, and you'd rather they weren't repeated here in church on a Sunday morning because they're too... Uh, embarrassing to say my little bidger badger or something like that. But this is one of those names. I am to you. This is a personal name that I am to you. I am the Lord is there. My presence is with you. That's who I am to you. That's the name of the city. That's the name of the place. That, by the way, is the name of the country where you live. It might say Great Britain and Northern Ireland on the front of your passport, or it might say something else like United States of America, or it might say something else equally exotic. Apparently, I read this week, the most wonderful passport to have in the world, according to the news, is an Asian passport. If you're from Singapore or the Far East, uh, thank you, Jess, that's it. Apparently, your, your passport opens more doors, 179 countries, more than any other passport in the world. How about that? Let's have a hand for Jess and her passport of Singapore. We are an international church after all. Some passports are not quite as powerful. They only open about 174 or 75 doors. But there's one passport that opens every door in the Spirit. It's the citizen of the kingdom of God. And we live in a place called the Lord is there. And you all have that passport this morning. If you know Jesus Christ, you're carrying a better passport even than Jess. And I tell you that takes some doing. <laughs> but you are. Say hello to the person next to you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell them where you're from? Now tell them where you're really from, which is, the Lord is there. Now, while I'm doing this, I really should do a special welcome to two people who managed to turn up in spite of the snow this week. They're sitting over here on my right. You know who you are, Cecil. Gloria, please stand up. (laughs) 
Say hello to this newly arrived married couple who've shown their commitment to you and to the Lord by giving up the warmth of India for the frozen wastelands of the north of England. Thank you both very much. God bless you. Welcome to you. It's great to have you both here as husband and wife. Let's give them another big hand. Congratulations. Awesome. Please take a seat. The Lord is there. The Lord is here. Now, look at the person next to you and point to me your finger again and say this after me. The Lord is there. He's here with you. That's the country that you live in. Now, it takes some getting used to to understand God in this way. See, most people are used to understanding God in, in fairly sort of low-level human terms. There used to be an early church um, leader, probably one of the most famous and most influential of all the early church leaders. He was around at the end of the 3rd, beginning of the 4th century AD. His name was Augustine of Hippo. He's Augustine of Hippo to distinguish him from some other Augustines that were around in church history. But this guy was well known. His testimony was well known. As a young man in his 20s, he was all over the place. I mean, his life was just totally, utterly lost. And then when he tried to get rid of that, he got all religious, and he got even more lost then in religion. But he had one secret weapon that all young men should have. It's called a praying mother. And his mother prayed for him, and in his early 20s, he didn't just come back to Christ. I mean, he got completely, totally zapped by God. And after that, he became a leading church leader and a leading bishop in his city. And everybody knew about him and knew his background, his testimony. And one day he was walking along the street and this man accosted him and was quite angry with him. And he said to him, look, Augustine, here's my God. And he produced this wooden idol and he shook it at him. See, I can see my God. Where's your God? Augustine said to him very nice, with a big smile on his face, he said, I get the quote right. It's something like this, if I can remember the story. He said, you can't see mine because you don't have the eyes to see him. Isn't that interesting? God is there to be seen. God is there to be known. God is there to be experienced. You've just got to have the right head on you, the right eyes on you, the right heart in you to be able to see him. It's not just like waving a wooden idol in front of him. The truth is this. The Lord is there. What an incredible amazing privilege that God would be with, not just with people in general, but with us personally. There's a famous preacher in the 19th century called Charles Spurgeon. Many of you, if you're into Bible study or, or that sort of thing, you'll have heard his name. And in 1891, on New Year, he preached the very same text that I'm preaching. And uh, this is what he said about it. He said, it is esteemed by the prophet to be the highest blessing that could come upon a city that its name should be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. If you want that in modern English, it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. The Lord's presence is there with you. It doesn't get any better than that. If that can be said about you as a person, if that can be said about your family, if that can be said about us as a, peop a, a group of God's people, a church here, it 
doesn't get any better than that. The Lord is there. Awesome. Let's have a look at a, a couple of uh, aspects of the Lord is there. Now, in Ezekiel's temple, you'll remember we said just earlier, it was the biggest and best of all the temples. And it was the only temple that had a river coming from it. All the temple that people, all the temples that the Jews made for themselves never had a river. But the one that God plans, the one that God showed Ezekiel, the one that Ezekiel presented before the people to, to bring them back to God, that temple had the river that we spoke about last week. This is what he said when he saw his vision of the temple. He said, I looked and I saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord. And I fell face down. I looked and I saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord and I fell face down. There are two things for us to learn in this. First of all, Ezekiel saw the presence of God. He wasn't imagining something. Uh, like Augustine, he had eyes to see when God was around, doing things at work by his Spirit. And he saw the glory of the Lord filling his temple. Now, look at the person next to you and smile at them. Give them your best smile. Now, don't laugh. Do you know what you're looking at? You are... No, you are looking at the glory of the Lord. You are looking at the glory of the Lord in the face of the person sitting next to you. There is glory here in this place today. There's gloria in this place here today, but there's glory as well. And glory is on every one of your faces when you know Christ. Something shines from you by his Spirit. The glory of the Lord fills his temple. And we can see and experience and know what it is for the presence of the Lord to come to us. Now, that's, that might sound like a big deal. It's not such a big deal. Do you know God comes to people even when they don't know him? If God will come to people that don't even know him with his glory, how much more will he come to those like so many of us who do know him? We were sharing the gospel with a guy one day. He was one of my students at school. He had been one of my students at school or pupils at school. He'd gone and done a man's thing and joined the army. Terribly bad idea, really. And he'd been sent home because he'd got a fracture in his leg. And he was just waiting to heal up. All that stomping and running around with sacks on their back and that. And he got his airline fracture down his leg. And we were sharing the gospel with him one night, just near our house. And he was there with a group of his mates. And I said to him, what would you choose a drink of your favorite drink, and being a soldier, of course, he was into that sort of thing, a drink of your favorite beer, or would you choose a drink of living water that you'll feel marvelous for for the rest of your life? And we, we were talking, and because and and I, I sort of imagined this, we were miming this out, and he said, why, I'd be a fool not to choose that one. And as he, he actually picked up his finger, and he, he pointed at the imaginary glass of living water in the air, the presence of God fell on him in the street in front of everybody. And he started to shake. And his knees started to buckle and collapse. And he started to shake like this. And he, he went backwards and he fell onto the shutter of the shop behind him, which happened to be a wine shop. <laughs> I mean, that's the irony, isn't it? That's the, that's the good thing. And he fell on the shutter and he collapsed on the shutter and he just sunk and slumped down the wall onto the ground. And he was shaking like a jelly. He said, 
What's happening to me? Why do I feel? Big, tough soldier, you know, taller than me, and he's 18 years old and really sort of hard. What's happening to me? Why do I feel? And all his friends are pointing at him and laughing at him. You know, you're the big, tough soldier, and God zapped you. Even they knew that. And he's, well, I see, how marvelous. It's the presence of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit. He's touching your life. The Lord is there. It doesn't get any better than that. The presence of God is there. God can touch anybody anytime he chooses with his presence to make himself known. The second thing to learn from this is, is this. Ezekiel made a response. It says, and I fell face down. Do you know in some churches they don't have chairs? Did you know that? I know what you're going to say, be clever. Say, oh, they have pews, those long wooden benches. Do you know something? It's a, it's, a, it's a mathematical fact. If you took all the people that were in church this morning and you laid them out on the benches in church, they'd all be a lot more comfortable. No, never mind. Some churches don't have any chairs in them at all. You actually stand up. In Orthodox tradition, you'll walk in and stand up. But I'd like to think it also gives you a chance to lie down as well. All the words for worship in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew language mean either to bend the knee or to fall face down before the Lord. When we say we're worshipping, we just mean worship. We're giving God his value, his worth. But in Hebrew, when you talk about worshipping, you're saying, we bow down, we bend down, we lie prostrate before you. That's what you're actually saying. And, I, and Ezekiel does the same. When he sees the glory of God filling the temple, he immediately responds. He falls flat on his face and he worships God. God, you are so amazing. Your glory is here. The Lord is here. It doesn't get any better than this. God, I want to be here with you. I want to know you. I want to experience more of you because you're so wonderful. Your presence is real. The Lord is here. Now, you'll notice something about Ezekiel. He was that kind of guy. Last week, when we read about the river and the, and the, and the temple, you get the impression for the temple, he's sort of taken around by this, this, he calls him a man, this person, this servant of God, takes him around and shows him this in the vision, this vision of the temple. And I don't know how you imagine Ezekiel. I mean, he must have been going around the mammoth saying, well, look at this Ezekiel. Now, in the old temple, you only had a small office like this, and you have to share it with four of the priests. Look at the one you get in the new temple. It's really big, and it's got carpeting, and it's got nice seats, and a coffee table, and, and a machine in the corner, and you don't have to share this with anybody. And all the priests get one each. Like, Whoa! Really impressive. Oh, I like this new temple. And he must have gone around, look at the, look at the gates and look at the, uh, the way it's all laid out. But essentially, he's just like when you go and buy a house. He's being shown around. But do you know what it says when he saw the river? He got in. When he saw the river, he didn't just stand there. He went plodging in it. He just walked into the river. Oh, ankle deep here. He actually tried it. I mean, I don't know. He must have been getting wet at this point, you understand, in and out of the river. But he actually got into the river. Ezekiel was a man who responded to God. When he saw the river of God, he got in it. He didn't stand on the side and say, mm, nice river, God. Bet that's nice for a swim. Bet that water is sweet to drink. Very nice. I'll make a note of that and tell somebody. I'm going to get in. This is for me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been out on a walk anywhere on a beach, totally unprepared, up in the mountains like we've done in Wales sometimes? It's a boiling hot day and you come across, either you're at the beach and it's a beautiful, lovely beach and you've got no swimming costume. Oh, oh how, 
how terrible. It would be wonderful to go for a swim today. There are people around. We'll be decent. Um, you know, this, this happened. This happened to me in the mountains in Wales. I've been out with groups of young people walking. and it's a, You see the river and everybody, or the lake, everybody just wants to get in the lake. So they've all gone in in their walking gear and their clothes. We all walked home soaking wet. Done that at least twice. Totally soaked, but everybody's happy because they've got in. They've had a swim uh, in, in a beautiful, clear lake on a hot day. This isn't a spectator thing to, at all. This is something to respond to. So Ezekiel responded. Do you know? A few years ago, I was reading a, a report about a, um, a newspaper reporter for the Sunday Times. And what was happening was the presence of God was there in the meeting in a place called the um, airport church in, in Toronto. And the pastor's name was John Arnott. Sally and I actually went there and we got to meet John Arnott and so on. Uh, tremendous man of God. And God was just moving, meeting after meeting. And the presence of God was there. And people were being really touched by God in a most visible way. So they sent this reporter there to report on it. And they put a report in the middle of the Sunday Times magazine that week. And it went on for about four pages. I, mean, I thought, this is incredible. They're giving four pages to the presence of God being amongst God's people. And he wrote about people laughing and falling down and, and all sorts of stuff happening. Of course, he's a reporter, you understand, and this is all very um, reporting type language and slightly standoffish. He said, at the end, he said, I've been in this meeting for a while. John Arnott comes past me and he prays for me and he lays his hand on my head. He said, and I fell down on the floor laughing my head off. And that was how he finished his report in the Sunday Times. It happened to me too. Even the reporter got touched when the Lord is there. Isn't that amazing? God bless the Sunday Times reporter. He got touched by God on that. I'm sure he had uh, no story quite like that one. God can and will touch anyone. Now, let me just say something here. It's one thing you can see other people being touched by the spirit and presence of God. And it's easy to get into a place thinking, well, that's not me. You know, some people are a bit more emotional than that, and I don't do that sort of thing. Let me tell you, when God's around, everybody does that sort of thing. When God's around, everybody trembles. When God's around, everybody responds. When, when we meet God in that eternal meeting face-to-face -face one day, I promise you, you will respond in all kinds of ways because you can't not respond when God is around. But some people just genuinely feel so flat or so far from God in life that they see stuff happening and think, what's wrong with me? I mean, that's happened to me as well. I've been in meetings. I was in one meeting in, in Colombia, and the 10,000 people with no prompting from the front, at that moment the preacher was preaching, 10,000 people all at the same time slid out of their seats, got on the floor and started crying. Can you imagine that? 10,000 people all at the same time, not even looking at their neighbor, just the power of God came on that place. The Lord was there. They all slid onto their knees and started to cry, except me. I was the only one not doing that. I was still sitting on my seat. I was looking around at everybody else and I thought, God, what is wrong with me? I mean, what, what makes these people so wonderfully spiritual and me so bad? Because I'm sad on my seat. I don't feel a thing. 
you can be in that position. Do you know what? God still wants to show up for you. He still wants to help you to respond. And so I said, well, Lord, what is it with me? And the Lord opened my mind and showed me a vision of myself back in my childhood and something that happened to me and something inside me broke and then I was on the floor crying more than anybody. God can move anyone. And if you don't feel moved the first time, say, Lord, here I am, don't leave me out. Do you know, um, one of the great Bible teachers, Bob Mumford, was telling us about a vision a friend of his had at Bible school where he felt left out of a meeting like that. He didn't feel able to respond. And in the middle of that meeting, he prayed and he cried out, God, don't leave me out, please, I want to respond. I want your spirit to touch me. I want your presence to touch my life. And he cried out. And in that moment, God showed him a vision. And in the vision, the Lord was riding out on a white horse and behind him were all these people in his army just just walking out with him, like the kind of picture you get in the, the end of the book of Revelation. And they're all going forward. And he said, he said, the guy said, I saw myself like I wasn't marching with those other people. I'd fallen down somewhere by the side of the road. And I was crying out. And he said, at that moment, the Lord stopped on his horse. He pulled the horse around. And while the army carried on marching, he rode all the way back. And he came to where I was. And he picked me up out of the, out of the place on the side of the road where I was. And he put me on the horse. And he took me right to the front of the army with him on his horse. Isn't that the goodness of God? Isn't that the grace of God? Doesn't that show you the heart and will of God? God does not want to leave a single person out. And if you've fallen down and you need to cry out to the Lord, well, do what that guy did. And in the spirit, I promise you, Jesus is the same to you. He will turn his horse around. He will come back and get you. Amen? Amen. God loves us. It's important to respond like Ezekiel did. Now, second thing I want to say about the Lord is there is this. The Lord is there by the Holy Spirit and in the New Testament church. I've missed the word testament. All I've got is new church here. That will do. What is God's temple today? God's temple today is found in Ephesians chapter 2. It reads like this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And also in 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives among you? Everybody's surname in this place should be Temple. You can have that as a temple. Ruth Temple, Steve Temple, Kaz Temple, Jen Temple, Adam Temple, Jane Temple. Say hello to the person next to you and put Temple on the end of their name, please. Hello, John Temple. Hello, Sally Temple. I've given you a new surname today. Your surname is Temple. That is who you are. Together, we are this temple in God. So how does Ezekiel's temple work for us today? It means that the relationship that's expressed in that name, the Lord is there, applies totally, completely, and fully and directly to you as a person and to us as a group of God's people together. 
you are God's temple on your own, and together we are God's temple. And that name, Jehovah Shammah, is written over your life. Now I wonder, like Augustine, do you have eyes to see it? Do you have eyes to see that above the head of the person next to you, there is a name written in the Spirit, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Can you understand that about yourself and about the people around you? Now, when you understand that, you see, you treat people differently. You walk up to somebody and you're about to say, your car's blocking mine, please move it out the way. Oh, the Lord is there. Anytime. Doesn't matter. Chicken can burn. (laughs) It makes a difference. Honey, could you get me, oh, fetch it yourself. Oh, the Lord is there. I'll get it for you. It makes a difference. The Lord is there. The presence of God is there with that person as well as with you. And when God's presence comes among us when we're worshipping, when we're praying, when we're seeking him, when we're together, it makes a difference. We were experiencing a Tremendous move of the Holy Spirit in our group of churches in Oxfordshire some years ago. And in our local church in Wantage, a small town outside of the main city of Oxford, we too were being so touched by the presence of God. And one night the leaders got together, as we did, and we, we were praying together, about four or five of us, and we had our typical leaders meeting ready. It was called an agenda. And it was business. How to spend the money on this, how to do this on Sunday. All, all sorts of stuff you have to do in church leadership, which thankfully most of you don't have to get bothered with, but does get done. And thank you to those people that do it behind the scenes. And before we did that, we said, let's pray. And as we prayed, the presence of God came down among us. We were in our front room in, in the house we lived in, in that place. And we all slid out the chairs as well. We all did what Ezekiel did. By the time the presence of God was moving, we were just so touched by the sense of the presence of God. An hour, an hour and a quarter, we were still praying, lying flat on our faces. And we found ourselves praying a prayer none of us had intended. One by one, we said, God, take me and do whatever you want with me. God, I give you my whole life. I'll go anywhere, live anywhere, be anywhere, do anything you call me to do. Oh dear. When you pray prayers like that, the Lord has a sort of habit of listening. And he has another habit of answering. Everyone who was in that room has now moved from where they were. God took everyone there at their word. Um, one of the guys only moved down the road a little bit to the city of Oxford. But I think he's off to Italy this year. God is still moving him out from where he was. Another one went somewhere else to plant the church. Another one's just down the road in Darlington today. And we're here. The presence of God came on us. And we prayed prophetically. And it was life-transforming and life-changing. We never did get to that boring list of business. But we did get to the presence of God. The Lord was there. And I'm just looking on my iPad for something here, which I need to get out. Somebody had a prophetic word earlier in the meeting. They 
didn't get a chance to share it, so they just slipped to me on a piece of paper. Be thirsty for more. God wants everything, everything. Wants your home, your children, your husband, your life, your mind, your heart, your everything. He wants your troubles, your cares, and your worries. He wants your everything. Holy is the Lamb of God. Amen. Anybody got any problem with giving their troubles to God and their cares? That's the easy part. Okay. Some of the other bits are a bit more challenging. Great word for us today. God wants everything. Well, one response that we can all make to the Lord is worship, like Ezekiel did. And worship is something that happens in the spirit. Worship is happening right now in the spirit. I'll show you where it is. It's sort of here. It's just above your head, Helen, and this Helen. Worship is here and here and here. It's just above our heads. There's all this worship going on in the spirit. Heaven is that near. And it's happening right now. Heaven has not stopped worshipping God because we might have done or we might be busy with something else. Heaven continually worships God in the scripture. And it's happening just above our heads. And all you have to do to worship is do this. You go, and you're there. You just sort of raise yourself up six inches and breathe it in. In other words, you've got to tune into that world of the Spirit. Now, here's a curious thing about people. I don't know if you've noticed this. Any of you like survival training or army type stuff? Here you go. There's, there's something called escape and evasion, which is a posh way of saying running away. And we got very good at this, particularly with school. Well, perhaps I shouldn't say that. But, um, you know, it's a funny thing. If you get just above people's eye line, they don't see you. We always used to hide up high in trees and on roofs and all that. Nobody ever found us up there. People are very poor at looking up, you'll find. They really don't look above their heads. Most of us are focused on what's here. Getting to work. Getting out of work. Getting away from work. Whatever it is. Most of us are focused on... Here, what's on my phone? Who's calling me? What's my apps? You know, most of us are focused with the, with the stuff of life. But if we just look up a tiny bit, there's another world there. And in that world, in the spirit, there is worship going on. And the Lord is there. And when it comes to worship, it's simply a matter of stopping looking here, raising our head a few degrees, and looking just that bit higher and seeing and feeling what the Spirit of God is saying and doing and tuning into that worship. And one of the characteristics of good worship that you'll find is the word flow. It's not short for a girl's name. I mean flow like a river. It just keeps going. Some of our pastors went to a church years ago in Argentina where a great revival was going on and the Lord was there. And they had multiple meetings in the day. And the flow of the Spirit was so awesome, you couldn't tell when one meeting finished and the next one started. They would, people would, it was a bit like Disney. You know, people go out one door and the next lot would come in 
the next door, it would just carry on like this. We worked out the way of telling when one meeting stopped and the other is when the offering was taken. That was when you knew you were on to another meeting. There were six meetings a day, and they stayed in the whole lot. They stayed in one of the meetings so late till 2 o'clock in the morning. They just couldn't pull themselves away from the presence of God. It was still flowing, still going. It was awesome. Of course, at 2 o'clock in the morning, no taxis, no way to get home, but they found a way. There is this sense that the Spirit is always encouraging worship. When God is there, worship is this constant, ongoing thing. And, and, and it's not draining. It actually energizes you. You can start off the evening feeling a bit tired. But as you connect with that realm of the Spirit and draw in the life from, from the Holy Spirit and worship in the Spirit, you actually go home feeling more awake and more energized than when you started. That's the incredibleness of the Lord is there and God's presence being there. It's awesome to worship like that. Do you know you can do this at home on your own? You can do this going along in the car and singing, but please don't close your eyes. Um, I did know one brother that claimed he could do that and still drive, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> Be real. But God wants to call forth worship from us day by day hour by hour, moment by moment, so that our whole life is lived in the presence of God. And there's this incredible sense of God being around. And when that happens, God's presence changes and transforms everything. This morning as we were praying just over here, one of the people were praying out about this being a day for transformation. Do you know the quickest way to get transformed? Step into the presence of God you will find things that gripped you before, things that really mattered to you, things that you really wanted, suddenly just fall away. And you don't even have to fight to get rid of them. They just go. Being near the presence of the Lord just causes all this baggage to drop off. It's like that prophetic word we just read now. In the presence of God, you can give him everything. It's that much easier, so much more possible to let things go that we think are important. If you want to take a bone off a dog, don't try and grab the bone off the dog. It will growl at you and bite you. If you want to get the bone off the dog, just take a piece of steak and throw that to the dog. He'll quickly leave the bone to get the piece of steak. And it's a bit like that with the things of God. God comes along with something so much better that these other things, what do I want that for? Well, I can have this. That's what makes life really worth living. That's what gives power and joy and life and something to sustain this year after year uh, is the presence of God. The Lord is there. How does Ezekiel end his book? How does he end these incredible visions that he's seen? This temple, this river, this army. This ministry, how does he end it all with a name? I am the Lord who is there to you. I will be with you. My presence will be with you. You can go anywhere in my presence. And then you can do all these incredible things and live this life that the river and the temple are speaking about. Anyone up for that? Anyone want to live in the presence of God and have the Lord is there written over their lives? I want to ask just to stand up a moment and... Make a conclusion today by making a declaration. 
I'd like you to close your eyes and think about tomorrow morning. And think about tomorrow morning. I don't know what time you plan to get up and what time the boss drags you out of work and whether the traffic and the snow and all that is going to be a problem. But think about spending time in the presence of God before any of that. I want you to imagine yourself tomorrow morning somewhere quiet with your Bible ready to meet with God. And as you imagine that, I want you to make a simple declaration over that. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Just imagine that. Let's just say it all together after three. One, two, three. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Now think of your family, the household you live in, your family that maybe live a distance and also your family that you live with or the household you live in, whatever living day-to-day arrangement you have. Just visualize them for a moment and again say with me, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Now, assuming you go to a city group in the week, Visualize your city group. See their smiling, happy, wonderful faces. Your city group leaders. Just speak that of your city group. The Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. Let's speak it out into the atmosphere today where we are as a church. The Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. if I just ask the band if you just lead us in one song before we finished today if you can just come back on stage it'd be good just to make a small response in worship before we finish just stay in this atmosphere with our heads bowed understanding this God wants us to respond to him he's ready and waiting Father, we thank you for the vision of this city and this river. This, at heart, is a spiritual vision demonstrating to us the goodness and greatness of God, the provision and wonder of God, the heart of God for his world, for more people, more priests with more ministry, more grace, more life, more flow, more anointing of your spirit, more life in your river. And that your desire is that your name would be on all of us. The Lord is there. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm here this morning with dozens and dozens of people called the Lord is there temple. Thank you, Lord, for your living temple today where your presence is. Lord, we just want to come before you now and in gratitude, thank you. We just begin in your own hearts to thank God 
that his heart is towards you, that his desire is to fill your life with his presence, that he wants to do for each one of us what he did for Ezekiel, cause us to live in that river and know that God is here with us. And we can just sing and minister and worship the Lord for a few minutes before we finish. Thank you, Lord.